Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's episode of Breaking Social. In this week's episode, we're speaking to Jamal Miller, who is the Senior Director of Product Marketing at MailChimp. If you don't already use email marketing as a channel, you probably should, considering on average it takes up to about 25 to 35% of any business's revenue share. Um, so it's definitely worth looking at if you're not already. And so in this week's episode with Jamal, we talk about how to optimize your emails to make sure that people actually want to open them, and the three things that Jamal considers whenever he approaches an email marketing campaign to make sure it's successful. Thank you again to Jamal for taking part in this episode. Enjoy. Hey, Jamal, how's it going? Can't complain. How are you, Joe? Yeah, really good, thanks. Obviously, the main thing that I'm going to try and get out of Jamal today is uh, how to create emails you actually want to open. Uh, but before we get into that, Jamal, I actually want to know a little bit more about your background. Specifically, you know, I did a, a little bit of research over the last 20 years you've, you've been involved in marketing. So for you, what made you want to get into marketing and what did marketing look like for you when you were working in it 20 years ago? Yeah, so... Um... Originally, when I started my career, I was working in um, on the agency side um, and primarily doing a lot of program management work. And marketing was kind of a small piece of the work that I was doing. But I actually kind of got introduced to marketing and digital marketing and email marketing specifically by accident in some ways. I was uh, working at one of uh, these agencies. One of our tasks was managing uh, email newsletters for our client. Um, and the person who kind of led our email practice uh, left the company and there was no, and I had kind of dabbled in our email marketing newsletters a little bit as part of uh, helping out with one of the accounts that I was managing. Um, but when this person left, my manager came to me and kind of asked like, hey, would you mind kind of holding down the fort with our email practice? You've done a little bit of it. You're probably the best qualified out of all of us who are, none of us are really qualified to do this, but uh, <laughs> would you take a stab at it? Um, and that kind of introduced me to email marketing, uh, which was my entree into uh, digital marketing and kind of a broader marketing career. What I enjoyed about it was I think immediately I was drawn to this idea of how targeting and personalization and kind of uh, getting the right message to the right person, um, like all of the levers that are involved in email marketing. Um, and it kind of occurred to me that it was such like a microcosm of what good marketing is, like when you're targeting the right person, when you're sending them the right message, um, when you're putting the right content in that message. Mm -hmm that kind of like immediately struck a chord with me. So I got deeper into email marketing, ultimately left uh, that agency to become a dedicated email marketing manager at another company. Um, and that was kind of the start of my marketing career. You mentioned kind of what marketing looked like at the time. Um, this was um, in the days where email marketing software was uh, was pretty pretty gnarly. Um, <laughs> it, it was uh, uh, well, most I was the, about to ask, what, yeah. what, what year was this that you're talking about here? So this would have been um, in the mid to late 2000s. Um, right. So this was the time before kind of everyone had moved to the cloud um, with their marketing softwares. Um, so it was a lot of clunky kind of on-premise software loading onto your your uh, your PC, timed out all the time. Uh, it was buggy. It was it was it was a pretty rough space, which is I think, um, I, no, looking back on it, with my when my manager was asking me to kind of uh, take ownership of uh, our email newsletters at that agency, I think it was also largely because no one else wanted to do it because <laughs> the software was so bad at the time. Um, but. Um, but yeah, it, it was just at the kind of the beginning when when you started to see companies like Mailchimp pop up uh, that were kind of pr providing these these web and, and cloud based solutions for for email marketing, and so it was fun to kind of see that evolve over time and see a lot of these uh, companies uh, come into the space that were trying to create uh, 
better email marketing product, um, an easier to use mark email marketing product, uh, a more full featured email marketing product. You know, at the, at the time, you basically knew he opens and clicks and that was it. Um, but you, you saw kind of uh, the, the industry evolved, which was which which was fun. And so what was the next stage after agency for you? Yeah, so I went and actually worked for about five years at uh, a company called the Graduate Management Admission Council, which is maybe not well known at first glance, but they're actually the organization that owns and manages the GMAT exam for entrance into uh, MBA uh, programs and business schools. And they also produce a lot of prep materials and other kind of materials for people who are looking to get into management careers. And so I left the agency to be a dedicated email marketing manager at that company, um, which was an interesting experience for me. They were a global company um, because the you know GMAT exam is obviously uh, offered around the world. They had both a B2B and a B2C side of their organization. So they were kind of served as a professional organization for business schools and admissions professionals at those business schools. Um, so in that vein, they offered a lot of trainings, webinars, conferences, uh, research for the industry of uh, kind of graduate management education. Um, and then on the B2C side, we were tasked with selling the value of the GMAT exam and selling the value of going back to get your business degree to uh, potential MBA students. So I was the email marketing manager that was kind of overseeing both sides of that uh, at a global scale. So it gave me a lot of experience of kind of understanding the levers uh, of email marketing from a B2B side, from a B2C side of things, nuances globally. Um, this was around the time when marketing automation was kind of picking up steam as like a buzz uh, word in the industry. So uh, it was around that time that I started to tinker with, with automation and, and marketing automation and tying together other channels into our email campaigns. So it, it was a great experience for me and, and really allowed me to dive deep into not only email marketing, but start to dabble into other parts of the digital marketing uh, experience. That makes sense. And so these email campaigns that you were sending around the time, is this, am I right in thinking this is around 2011, 2012? Or, yeah. Yep. Yeah. What did these campaigns look like? How, how much did they differ from what we're seeing today? What were email campaigns like back then? Yeah. So um, it was, you know, it had evolved a little bit from the early days of when I was building emails. So by that point in time, um, you started to see more personalization. Uh, you started to see a little bit more dynamic content being the, uh, the ability to put dynamic content in your emails. Um, as I mentioned, kind of with marketing automation, this is where you really start to see things uh, like the ability to build out automated journeys, uh, triggered campaigns, um, kind of manage the full customer lifecycle, particularly from a B2B angle uh, with kind of a, a full series of drip campaigns and things of that nature. So it was starting to evolve into this space where uh, I think email marketers were demanding and, and looking to uh, become more relevant with their campaigns, more targeted with their campaigns. Um, and you started to see a lot of that being uh, added into the different software stacks uh, that were available at the time. I think the other big difference is, is that was the time when pretty much everyone had moved to the cloud by that point. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it was uh, the software that it gave a lot more flexibility to the software and what was being built into these tools um, as companies uh, kind of moved to the cloud and allowed for better access for users, as well as kind of faster iteration and release on uh, kind of feature sets that were being added to these different softwares. How long were you there, sorry, before you moved on to your next step? So I was there uh, around five years. Um, yeah, like I said, it was a great experience for me. Um, in that time, I not only kind of dabbled in email marketing, we got to uh, play around in the world of digital analytics, uh, did some work with kind of building landing page experiences to tie into those email marketing campaigns. We got a chance to work a little bit with our, our, our paid media uh, arm and, and kind of uh, understand that part of the business 
side note, while I was working at that job, I was also going to business school myself uh, in my spare time, uh, so getting my MBA. Um, and then I left for an opportunity to work at Amazon, um, uh, moving out to Seattle, Washington. And what was that like? Uh, it was a great experience for me. I learned, uh, I, I always tell people uh, working at Amazon is like getting another degree. <laughs> um, <laughs> so coming out of an MBA program and going to work at Amazon, is, it was a, um, a great kind of capper to, to my uh, graduate school experience. I learned a ton uh, in that time, just in how a business as successful as Amazon, you quickly get to understand why they've become successful, um, what processes they put in place uh, to become successful, the ways of working, the ways of making decisions, the ways of kind of quickly iterating and testing and, and, and understanding what works, the ability to do things at scale that very few companies have the, the uh, opportunity to do just because of the sheer size of Amazon and their customer base. Um, it, it was a great opportunity for me. Amazing. And obviously now um, over at MailChimp, which is I think the biggest um, email marketing platform, currently you're in the role of Senior Director of Product Marketing. Just to sort of round up that section we talked about there, it's obviously quite clear you've had a plethora of experience in email marketing specifically, so you're the perfect person to be speaking to about this, even more so with your role at MailChimp. So just now I want to use this time to ask as, as many questions as possible that I know the audience uh, listener will, will be interested in hearing. So um, first of all, what does your role entail there? What do you look at on a day-to-day -day and what does success look like in your role at MailChimp? Yeah, so uh, my role is really about making sure that we are communicating um, the most complete, the most differentiated, and the most kind of um, impactful story of how our products can help to solve the problems of SMBs who are looking to grow their businesses. Um, and tying together the pieces of our platform into these relevant um, stories for our users that help them understand how they can um, get the most out of our, our tool um, and just become better email marketers and better marketers in general. So a, a lot of uh, what I'm doing is working really closely with our product teams to understand what's being built and how those tools kind of tie back to customer problems that we're hearing all the time. Um, working closely with our integrated marketing teams and our um, designers and, and, and copywriters to craft uh, stories that help to communicate how those tools um, help to solve problems. Um, bringing new features to market and kind of tying those back into our, our value proposition as a, as a platform and really trying to make sure that we're bringing the most um, kind of relevant stories to our users at the end of the day so that they can make um, decisions around whether our tool is going to be the one to, to help them kind of solve the problems that they're trying to solve as a business. So a lot of the listeners here are people who are either in marketing, marketers themselves, maybe own uh, businesses themselves. And a lot of the work that we do as a business is uh, social media marketing. And so they're probably quite well versed on our opinions on social and how to get the most out of social. Some might not be too well versed, I would, I would hope a lot of them are, but some might not be too well versed in the power that email marketing has as a channel. Um, so what I want to do with you now is essentially start from the bottom and work our way up. How important is email marketing as a channel? It's it's hugely important um, for, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, um, when you talk about ROI, email is has been and continues to be one of the strongest channels in terms of ROI that you could invest in. Um, the stats I've seen are anywhere from, you know, $35 to $45 per dollar spent for email as in terms of the ROI. So it's, it's one of the, the best places that you can invest in terms of being able to engage your audience. 
Uh, I think the other reason that email is so important is kind of as we look ahead to a, a cookie-less world, um, first-party data is going to be so much more important. Um, and the the extent to which you're able to better manage uh, directly the relationships with your users, your prospects, um, your customers, uh, email marketing is kind of a, a foundational element to being able to do that well and being able to collect email addresses and then kind of be good stewards of those email addresses, good stewards of those relationships with your um, customers and uh, make sure that you're sending them um, relevant, engaging uh, content. So email marketing, I, I obviously have a passion for it because of my background, but I think even increasingly so moving forward uh, with what we're seeing in the industry, email marketing is going to continue to be an important channel for for marketers. Definitely. I think with a lot of businesses, it's it's quite a, ma- a majority uh, share that it holds in terms of acquisition channels or at least retention channels as as well as that. Do you think that's the case across all businesses? Are some businesses better equipped and positioned to benefit from email marketing as opposed to others, or are all businesses relatively the same in, in position to, to be able to benefit? Yeah, I, I feel like we've reached a stage where pretty much all businesses across industries um, and across you know business models, B2B, B2C, and hybrids of the, of the two um, can find value in email marketing just because it's so flexible in terms of how you target. Um, it's gotten so much more flexible in how you can create content and personalize content. And the email inbox is still a pretty ubiquitous um, element of everyone's day-to-day, no matter what your customers are doing, what, you know, whether it's in their work life or their personal life. So I feel like we've reached a point where email marketing can be a tool that's relevant to pretty much any marketer. It's a matter of finding what is your sweet spot um, of how your audience wants to engage with email marketing. And you mentioned there about targeting. How detailed can you get with email targeting? I think we've seen and we've talked a lot on this podcast about how detailed you can go on certain social channels. Obviously, that has been affected with recent iOS policy updates and things like that, but uh, still relatively detailed. Uh, how detailed can you get in email marketing? Um, you can essentially get as detailed as the data that you're able to collect, that first-party data that you're able to collect on your users. And even in some cases, you're able to append some third-party data to that to that information. But essentially, as detailed as you're, you're able to get in social in a lot of cases, you can take that data and use it to target specific campaigns for your users. Um, and they, I think also related to the targeting element is the personalization element, right? So it's not just about like who you're sending to, but what content those users are seeing. Um, and you can get so uh, intricate in a lot of cases with what you're uh, serving up to folks in a dynamic manner, uh, such that you can get pretty granular with kind of who you're targeting and what those users are seeing um, within the body of an email that you've sent. Now, I want to use what we've just talked about there to, to move more specifically on to MailChimp and how businesses can use the platform to better their email marketing efforts. So you've mentioned there about just how important email marketing is as as a channel. I think from our experience, from what we've seen, like I said, it takes up quite a a majority holding in in terms of where your customers are are active and where you can generate quite a lot of ROI. Um, We've talked a little bit about targeting. We've talked about how different kinds of businesses it's useful to. Can any business that falls under the umbrella that we've talked about there use MailChimp? How would they get on there? Um, what are some of the features that you that are on there that are useful to those businesses that they can take advantage of tomorrow uh, should they want to do so? Yep. So um, a few different uh, categories I'll talk about. First is kind of building your list, right? That's the start of any good email program is making sure that you are collecting that first party data 
um, and starting to build up an audience of folks that you can interact with. So the first thing that we always tell people is it, it kind of guide our users on is how to build up that list or connect to an existing uh, audience that you may already have. So for example, if you're an e-commerce customer, um, connecting your e-commerce store to MailChimp to allow you to be able to um, engage with those customers who are interacting with your e-commerce store um, and bring that data into MailChimp to be able to uh, serve up uh, interesting and relevant campaigns to those users to either upsell or cross-sell them, to let them know about sales and offers that you have going on, that kind of thing. Um, also in the vein of kind of building an audience, uh, we have kind of different forms uh, that you can embed into your website or into your other spaces that you're um, engaging with folks uh, to be able to collect uh, that audience and build up that list. Is the size of that audience, is it like a minimum size that you need of an audience to get started with email marketing? Not necessarily, no. I think it's um, it's it's really about the the best the the best way to start to build that list based on where you are with your business right so if you're a super early stage it really is about starting to build that relationship with folks um, and that relationship that you're building early on can can be really um, can be really personal even right like it it can be you know if you're a founder and you're engaging with your first audience of beta testers for your new uh, for your new app. Um, you know, that engagement can be can feel very personal and very organic, um, even if it's a small audience. Um, but it's about building that relationship, building that trust um, and building that muscle of people looking forward to seeing those updates from you in your inbox. Um, so it doesn't mean you, you don't need a massive audience really to get started. It's really about starting to build that relationship. Just on that topic as well, obviously, the, the goal I would imagine with email marketing is to build up that audience that you're talking about um, to continually push out your messaging to to more and more people, hopefully turn that into more revenue for your business. Is that sort of close connection with your customers one of the most important things to have? And is it harder to achieve that at scale when you've got a larger audience? Uh, it can be, um, but I think there are tools that allow you to, to, to do that at scale, right? When you think about automation, when you think about dynamic content um, and personalization within the copy of your email, it does get more difficult. It's something that you have to spend more time to, to do, but the tools are there to, that allow you to do that. And it's about having a clear strategy around kind of who are your customers, what are different kind of sub-segments or cohort within your customer base, or what are the most relevant kind of identifiers of types of, of customers that you have in your base that will allow you to do that targeting to, and, and personalization. For example, uh, we, we encourage a lot of our users to use things like um, customer lifetime value to understand kind of who your most valuable customers are, and as such, kind of make sure that you're engaging with them first or giving them exclusive access to maybe offers or, or discounts or new products that they get access to before everyone else. Um, to make sure that you're kind of identifying your best customers. Um, we also have models like uh, that help you identify like what customers are most likely to purchase from you within the next 30 days, uh, right? Again, based on kind of their previous purchase behavior. So there are tools there that allow you to kind of build in that personalized uh, content and that allow you to kind of feel like you have a more um, direct relationship with those users, even as you scale up. Say, for instance, then, I was a marketing manager at one of these SMBs and I started to utilize email marketing as a channel and I'd gone to MailChimp to be able to do so. If you were in their shoes, what would be the first things you would do? What is your thought process as a, to approach, strategically approach that channel and what would you do on the platform to, to gain success there? Uh, so the first thing that I would do is set up my audience, make sure that I feel like my audience is set up in ways that I have the most flexibility with targeting. So you mentioned earlier, kind of, can you get as granular with targeting uh, an email as you can in, in social channels? A lot of that is dependent on how you set up your audience, right? So 
For example, you can set up custom tagging structures that allow you to identify um, users based on demographic information, based on buying behavior, based on um, how long they've been in your uh, customer base, based on previous types of products that they've purchased from you in the past. Uh, So it's about like understanding your business, understanding your audience, and then setting up an audience structure using segmentation and tagging that will allow you to kind of scale. So that that would be the first thing that I would uh, encourage anyone to do. We just, um, I was just in a customer call last week uh, with a a small uh, e-commerce brand and commerce brand that was trying to kind of set up their, their system and Part of what they ran into is that they were trying to kind of start leveraging our tools before they had kind of taken a step back to think about how they want to set up their audience. And obviously it's hard for a small business because there's so much going on, right? In some cases, you're wearing multiple hats. You're not only the marketing manager, but you're also running PR and comms and you're also running social and you're thinking about your paid media strategy. Um, So obviously there's a lot going on, but I think uh, a lot of getting the ROI value out of a channel like email is kind of taking that strategic approach to how, the same strategic approach that you would take to social and thinking about how you actually want to be able to segment and organize your audience so that as people are coming into your audience base, uh, you're set up for success when you're ready to actually start sending. That makes sense. So the, the the first thing you're saying there is before you even start looking at the content and sending out emails, be completely sure on who it is that you're going after and what... I guess what parameters you know, like what you can play with about the knowledge you've got about the data of your audience so that you can start to plan out audience categories, I'm assuming? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. And the extent to which you can do that early from a scalability standpoint, it'll allow you to kind of scale much more quickly and start off with some of those kind of automated campaigns and and, uh, set yourself up for being able to personalize and things of that nature when you're ready. So say, for instance, I've now got my audience, I've got some some level of decent data on them. I can categorize them into um, things like LTV, the amount of time that they've been a customer, maybe their purchase frequency, things like this. Where do you go from there? Yeah. So I think the next step is thinking about how frequently you want to engage with that audience. Um, what kind of relationship you want to build and kind of setting that expectation with them um, around what kind of how often they should expect to hear from you and and, uh, and, and that kind of thing. Right. I think one of the pitfalls that, that folks uh, fall into is, you know, taking the e-commerce example, only emailing when they have a sale going on or something along those lines. Right. That's the only time that your customers hear from you. And while that's great in order to like drive revenue and to let your customers know about kind of the best offers that you have available, think about if that's actually building a relationship there. Right. Um, and are there other ways that you can nurture that relationship through things like um, automation, through things like, um, you know, it could be as simple as sending a birthday message every year to your to your uh, customers that that uh, offers them something special. It could be something, you know, sending a weekly or monthly mail that kind of um, summarizes the best things that you have available for your users, uh, the best resources if you're if you're into content, the best offers or, or deals or um, new items in your store if you're in more of an e-commerce space. But thinking about like what kind of cadence you want to set up. Um, to start to set that expectation of how often your your customers should uh, expect to hear from you. And so they start to look forward to it, right? They start to expect that um, if you kind of create that regular cadence and, and frequency, um, which is hard. It, 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 it requires some thought and, and uh, commitment uh, to be able to uh, commit to something regular. But I think uh, brands that are able to do that are the ones that are able to start to build that connection and, and build that trust with their audience. Generally speaking, as like a, a as a broad overview, is there a sweet spot of the amount of emails over a certain period of time people should look to send? 
I think it depends on your business and your audience. And, and, and um, in some ways, it depends on what expectation you set up front. The other thing that I think a trend that we're seeing in the email marketing space is giving users a lot more flexibility to dictate that, right? So having like preference centers, centers set up for your audience to be able to let you know how often they would like to hear from you. And even getting to the, the granular level of, um, I've seen a lot of brands lately uh, giving the option to opt out of certain holidays even that may kind of, for personal reasons, uh, be holidays that they may not want to hear from brands, right? So Mother's Day, Father's Day, things of that nature opting out of getting anything related to Mother's Day or Father's Day. Um, so I think the flexibility that you're now able to give as well um, for users to, to help to dictate how often they want to hear from you is one way to think about that. Um, but when you're really early starting out, I think just starting to just getting in a regular cadence and identifying what that sweet spot is for your audience, you'll, you'll start to see a drop off in your open rates and uh, click through rates if you're emailing too often. Um, so you can you know pull it back. Um, but I think Get, getting in a regular cadence and 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 being um, consistent with that cadence, I think, is the most important thing I, I would say to brands that are just starting out um, versus kind of making sure that you're hitting the exact right frequency. Something else I wanted to ask as a follow up to that, you know, in almost all channels, you'll see not just campaigns that are focused on performance or anything to do with ROI, you'll see brand awareness or brand engagement campaigns. How effective are those type of campaigns in email marketing? So things that aren't just like you say, things that aren't just pushing sales, are they still effective? Yeah, they can be. It's, I mean, it's something that we do at MailChimp, right? We have resources uh, that don't drive direct, you know, product usage or don't drive uh, direct upgrades or direct um, acquisition to our product. We have things like MailChimp Presents uh, offering, which is a kind of a part of our brand arm that's putting out, you know, podcasts and, and entertainment content and interesting just resources for small businesses who are looking to grow. And we find that that content is actually really popular, right? Really effective um, in kind of establishing kind of thought leadership and establishing uh, kind of brand trust uh, and, and perception of our brand as, as, a, as one that kind of really is rallying for small businesses to succeed. And it's something that I think other brands can can take as well. And it gets back to that consistency, right? Like your, every message doesn't have to be a sale um, or, or trying to um, kind of push a product. In, in a lot of cases, brands that are able to uh, find that right mix of both that kind of messaging and more content uh, or kind of thought leadership or um, educational content are, are the ones that are able to build, build that uh, trust with their audience. Uh, and, and they come to start to expect uh, that kind of uh, content from their audience. That is a word that you've mentioned quite a lot in this conversation around trust and relationship with the audience. Is that, is that the most important thing in your view? It is. I mean, email inbox, just like all marketing is, is cluttered uh, <laughs> today, right? Um, email inboxes are um, no different and maybe in some ways uh, even more cluttered because it's that mix of both, you know, personal business and kind of marketing messages that are that are uh, in your inbox. So the extent to which you can build that relationship and build that trust with your audience um, is what's going to really make you stand out. And the way that you do that is by kind of taking uh, some of these tips around, you know, good targeting, good relevant personalization, uh, you know, good content uh, and, and good content best practices. That's how you start to build that trust with your audience. And, and um, that's how you stand out. That's that's how people come to look forward to receiving your emails versus just being another another thing that's cluttering your inbox. Okay. Well, then the main question that I want to ask you then that I mentioned at the start of the conversation uh, is based on everything we've talked about so far, what does it take to create an email that people actually want to open? 
Yeah. So, I mean, three main categories, I think, is how we kind of think about it. Is your email targeted? Is your email uh, relevant? And is your content engaging? Um, I think if you can kind of break it down into identifying how you can optimize for those three things, you can create emails that are that are going to um, succeed. So, I mean, first starting with targeting, we talked a lot about this already, but um, the extent to which you can use the data that you have available to you and new, use what you know about buying patterns um, and kind of your business objectives to um, kind of create email campaigns that are specific to a subset set of your users. Um, I think that's how companies win. We see, you know, we have access to a lot of email data that we see from our customers using our platform. And we see the ones that send targeted campaigns consistently perform better than those that are just blasting something there to their entire email list. Um, and and it's, it's, it's been consistent for years. And it's something that um, I think all businesses should start to think about um, as they're crafting their email strategy. Um, the relevancy part is, is largely about the when you're sending, um, making sure that you're sending um, the right content at the right time to folks. Uh, so that's largely around automation um, and the extent to which you can start to work that into your email strategy for setting up these kind of standard user journeys um, that you can kind of predict uh, when is going to be the right time to engage with someone uh, to drive you know, the next best action for them as a user or a customer of yours. And then that last uh, category of uh, engaging content um, is really about what's inside of those emails, right? So the extent that you can start to work in dynamic content that really pulls off of uh, actions that that person has already taken, um, preferences that they've already um, kind of told you uh, that they have about themselves through their buying behavior, through things that they've kind of told you in your preference center. You should be using all that information to, to personalize the content that someone's uh, receiving. I think those are the three buckets that we always, we try to kind of emphasize. And it's you know, starting small with each one of those, right? Like, so you're not going to necessarily get your strategy right for all three of those buckets immediately first time, right? But it's about testing and iterating into uh, what is the right way to optimize your targeting, optimize your relevancy, and optimize your, your content engagement um, and, and kind of having a regular cadence of testing that you're using to get to your sweet spot. Amazing. So targeting, relevancy, content. Yeah, the, the the holy grail. <laughs> the holy grail. So from there then, like you say, we talked quite a bit about targeting. Relevancy is always going to be an important one. Uh, I think that is quite a simple one to make sense to quite, quite a lot of people that will be listening. Content within email marketing. How different is content in email marketing from other channels? Are there certain content formats that perform better in email marketing right now versus what we've seen in the past? What's the best? What's the best content format to run with right now? Yeah, so I think a lot of the principles of, of good content that you would see in other um, channels apply to email. The difference is in some cases you have maybe a little bit more space to, to play with um, and you can play around with the format a little bit more, you know, a, a sales driven email format versus a newsletter format, you know, versus kind of a more personal uh, feel type of format. Um, there are different ways that you can play around with that. Um, I think that that's one of those areas that really depends on what your business is, who your customers are, um, and what they would expect to see um, in terms of what types of formats would work best for you. But it's an, also an area where you can test, right? You can you can do some A-B testing to see if your audience responds better to maybe uh, a, a temp, an email template that feels a little bit more like it's a personal message from someone in your organization versus something that feels like a little bit more of a formal um 
business email or marketing email. Um, I think that will depend largely on kind of who your audience is and, and kind of the relationship that you build with them. But either can work for you. Um, it's just a matter of testing into the right the right format. I was about to say, and this this might be a difficult one to answer on the spot because I appreciate that it's quite contextual. But um, I was going to ask if there's any really good examples of like email campaigns like that 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 you've seen. Just because I could imagine it'd be quite different, like you said, for what kind of business you've got. Say, for example, you run a business that sells cookbooks, for example, and you might want to get regular reminders of certain things that are seasonal, and so you can sign up, for example, for a new recipe every day or every week, and you know you could gauge it based on what they've opted in for be it you know simple 15 minute meals all the way to quite difficult and challenging meals that you want to cook um have you seen any other uh, really good examples of, of content like that yeah um one of my favorite emails that i receive right now is actually from a larger brand um uh, but there are some elements of this that can apply to, to all brands it's from uh the music streaming service uh title um that i'm a subscriber of and they've started to send out a monthly uh recap of the music that i've listened to for the month the top artists that I've listened to in that month. But the really cool thing that they've incorporated into that is they actually will tell you what percentage of your monthly subscription has gone to those artists. So it gives you kind of a personal connection with like the, the amount that to your support of in listening to these artists is actually contributing to the revenue that they're getting from the platform. So it, it touches on a lot of great things, right? It's it's a monthly cadence. So I've gotten to expect it every month because they've started to, to send it out. It incorporates personalization, obviously. So I'm seeing the, the, the artists that I listen to most often. It's completely relevant. Um, and so it's super relevant to me. Um, and it's also from a content standpoint, building that trust in showing then transparency and showing me like how much of my subscription um, based on my listening volume is going to those artists that I that I support. So it's it's one of my favorite emails that I'm getting right now because I think it, it, it combines a lot of those great elements. Obviously, Tidal is a large company and has access to you know engineers and things like that to, to build some of these engines for, for some of this to make it a little bit more scalable. But even smaller brands can do things like that with the data that they have available to them by using kind of dynamic content and tagging structures and, and, and um, segmentation um, to get to much more personalized, relevant uh messaging yeah that's such a good example that content and how much you've contributed to some to to an artist such an emotive thing that's absolutely a really good example so is is there anything based on anything that we've talked about in this conversation if you could speak to anyone listening now if there's anything they could do right now to immediately improve their email marketing campaigns what would what would you say to them yeah i, I would go back to the um where we talked about kind of understanding your audience and how it's set up um you know i, I think that's the base for any good uh, email marketing program is really getting a good structure in, space, in place for your audience so that you're bringing in the right data, so that that data is being tagged and, court and uh, categorized in the right ways, so that it's going to be um, relevant for you to be able to use um, and, and uh, to building out your campaign. So I, I would start there with an evaluation of kind of how, how is your audience set up. Um, it might require some data cleaning um, to kind of get everything in a consistent space, but you'll thank yourself later once you do that uh, in the ways that you're able to, to send out engaging campaigns. Brilliant. And is there anything new and upcoming on the horizon that people should be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I touched on it a little bit, but just that giving more control to the users to un to dictate how they want to be engaged with. Um, so the ability to set frequency limits um, or frequency cadences for how often they want to hear from a brand. I think that's a, a trend that I'm seeing a lot more of and, and, and that I expect to continue as kind of um, data ownership and transparency becomes uh, more and more of a priority for consumers. 
I think for in terms of MailChimp, um, we're uh, continuing to look at how do we do more to work alongside our users to offer suggestions, recommendations on how they can make their campaigns better um, and do so in ways that are super relevant to their business. So um, we've recently um, launched features uh, like our content optimizer that kind of looks at your email campaign and gives you scores on um, values like skimmability and um, your CTAs and things like that based on kind of all of the email campaigns that we uh, are able to see across our user base um, and gives you kind of recommendations on how you can improve your next one. So uh, what we're trying to look towards um, is is more and more of that type of recommendation suggestion um, to our users to make sure that we're creating a community of good email uh, marketers. That sounds excellent. Jamal, I've got two final questions for you, and these are a little bit more geared towards yourself personally, and typically people find them uh, quite helpful. So uh, the first one is, is there anyone you follow on social platforms that you find particularly helpful or inspiring in your line of work? Mm. Uh, Neil Patel has always been someone that I uh, get a lot of good insight from. Anne Handley, from a content perspective, she was one of the first people that I, uh, as I was getting into email marketing, kind of trying to understand how to build a good email um, and and, and good, strong content. Uh, So she's someone that I follow. And then just kind of different brands that are doing good email marketing. I'm uh, uh, the weirdo who... um, uh, subscribes to everything, right? And has an inbox full of marketing <laughs> emails that most people probably are unsubscribing from or uh, uh, deleting. My my email, I never delete any emails because I want to keep a full uh, inbox of examples of good email and what good email looks like. Um, so I think other than kind of people like that uh, that I follow, um, just keeping an eye on what brands are doing in, in the email space. Excellent. And the final question uh, from me for today is, um, what one quality do you see within yourself that you feel without you wouldn't succeed? Mm. Um, Context is one of my favorite words. (laughs) Um, I think building context, understanding context, uh, whether it's working with uh, teams internally, whether it's working with partners externally, whether it's just understanding kind of how to break down our large business objectives into smaller kind of bite-sized pieces. I think the, the extent to which um, I, I've been able to kind of pull back and understand the context of a situation and like what we're trying to achieve is, is one of the things that I, I pride myself on. And a lot of that is just um, being a good listener, whether it's listening to your customers, your, your, your colleagues, uh, the industry, um, just kind of being a sponge for information and listening and kind of using that to build a, a richer context for the world around you or the world that you're operating in. Um, I think that's, that's uh, one of the things that I strive to do and, and, and try to work on. Brilliant. Jamal, I've loved this conversation. Uh, thank you so much for taking part and being part of the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Breaking Social. Make sure you subscribe to us so you're notified when an episode drops. And if you want to keep up with what we're doing at Campfire, make sure to follow us on the socials in the show notes. 